L'chaim. Today's class, I'd like to um, talk about the big yomtiv that's coming, tomorrow night. Uh, tonight is the night, is Yudalid Ov, and we're heading towards the night of Tezvav Ba'av, which is going to be tomorrow night on Wednesday. Chamishasar Ba'av. Some people refer to it as Tu Ba'av. Uh, it's a big yomtiv, as the sages say to us, that the Jewish people didn't have any yomantoivim. Gemara Masechtas Tainus, all the way in the end of Masechtas Tainus, talks about the awesome yomtiv of the 15th of Av, that the Jewish people never had yomtiv as great as the 15th of Av. Now, the 15th of Av is a yomtiv, and like Yom Kippur. These were the two greatest yomantoivim. And um, so in Kabbalah, the Gemara gives its reasons why. The Gemara gives seven reasons. Uh, for the reason of the celebration of the 15th of love. We're not going to go into it now. Um, the, uh, mystically, the greatness of the yomtiv of the 15th of love is that it's associated with the, the being that it's the 15th day of the month, and the 15th day of the month is the moon is in its completion. The Shlema Salavana, the moon is a full moon. And we know that Knesset Yisrael, we know the Jewish people, are compared to the moon. And we also know that Malchus based David, the family of Mashiach, the dynasty of Mashiach, the Davidic dynasty, which we're all waiting for, is in its full power, is related, is compared to the moon. And so when the moon is in, in its in its completion, it, sorry, I don't know why we got upkahakt. Uh, okay. So when the moon is in its shleimus, it represents a shleimus both in the Jewish people and a shleimus also in the messianic process. That the powers of Moshiach, the power of the Giyula, is in its full might and its full strength. That's why it says that on the 15th of Av is Meir, it is illuminating the Giluyim, the revelations of the future. So it's the, it's the closest day of the year. Probably there's two, three days, I would say, Achron Shal Pesach is Meir Ha'oros Moshiach. The eighth day of Pesach is the day that Moshiach's energy is very strong in the world. And um, the 15th of Av, probably the two closest days, most intense days, which uh, Tisha B'Av itself. Uh, but really, the 15th of Av is really connected to Tisha B'Av in that it, 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 the 15th of Av is what reveals the Pneumius of Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av itself is, a, is really a Moshiach the G'day. The only reason Hashem, that we brought the, the, the last series of classes, we, on the Monday classes, when we spoke about time, the nature of time being timeless, we brought what the Medrash says, that, um, that the whole destruction of the first base of Migdash and the second base of Migdash was that although Aryeh, the lion, went up in the month of Av and destroyed the base of Migdash on purpose, and the reason for the destruction was Amanas, for the, for the purpose of building the third base on Mikdash. So that means it was a demolition for the sake of a construction. Demolition, so that means, it was, so what is what is really Tisha B'Av? Tisha B'Av is really the beginning of the construction. It's laying the cornerstone. It's, it, it's, it's like uh, also we learned from the story of Rabbi Akiva when he saw the fox come out, he was laughing. Why was he laughing? Because he saw already the, 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 the prophecies of the future. And as the Rebbe explained, what he saw was that uh, he was able to see that the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash was an act of plowing. When you see someone plowing a field, 
you don't comfort this person and console him for the destruction of his plowing. You don't even tell him that, oi, because of the construction, because of the plowing and the destruction of it, uh, eventually, you know, something good is going to come out of it. It's going to be a plowed field and something is going to grow. You realize from the beginning that the reason he's plowing his field is because he's really beginning the, the, new, the new crop. Hashem is beginning the new crop. And when does he begin it? On Tisha B'Av. But, but on Tisha B'Av, things are not seen. Things are concealed. On the 15th of Av, it, things come to revelation. Things are revealed. And then we look back at Tisha B'Av and we appreciate that Tisha B'Av really Mashiach is born. The birth of Mashiach Tzitkenu is on Tisha B'Av. The sages also tell us the story how the person, the cow, made a noise and the, the Arab told the guy that he should stop plow, he should, he should un, undo the plow because there's no reason for Jews to plow the land of Israel because you're leaving. The exile is beginning, but Minch was destroyed. And then he heard the, the cow make the noise a second time and he said, okay, you can put back on the plow because just a few seconds later, because Mashiach was born. So really that happens to Shabbat already. But on the 15th of others when it's revealed. So these that tells you the same idea as I mentioned before, that the, 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 the three most Moshiach days that we have are Akhrasha Pesach, Tishabah, and the 15th of Av. This doesn't get higher in terms of the Giyula, the future redemption. I'm referring to biblical days. Then there are days that are related to, to events that happened in later generations, which are just of significance, like Yud Aleph Nisan, the Rebbe's birthday, things like this. I'm, 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 not, I'm not talking about that. Yud Beis Tamos, Gimel Tamos, and these are all fascinating days, and the days, and Chayel, the birth of the Baal Shem Tov, these are all very powerful messianic days. Uh, but I'm talking about days that go, the Tubav is not biblical, but the truth is it has already its origins in biblical times. Uh, which also illustrates the same idea that I mentioned before, that Tezvah Ba'av is really a revelation of what happens on Tisha B'av. Because the initial reason the Gemara gives of why the 15th of Av is a Yom Tif is because um, it's a day that the Meisei Midbar stopped to die. The Meisei Midbar are the decree, after the sin of the spies, God decreed that the whole generation would die. Whoever was 20 years old and over. So what happened is every year, all those people that no one died before they reached the age of 60, so everybody that was in their 60th year would dig a, a grave for themselves. If you think about the horror of tens of thousands of people, it's horrible. Digging graves for themselves because they're assuming that they'll die. And then the next day, you know, they announced what the living separates from the dead. And this went on year after year until the last year when the last people went inside that grave and then uh, they didn't die. They went on, on Tisha B'Av by night. They didn't die. Because also, besides no one dying before 60, no one died any other day but on Tisha B'Av night. That was the day of, that was the, 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 the day of mourning, the day of sadness, the day of the opposite of life. And um, what happened was that they went in and everybody came out. And the next day they went in again because they thought they, made, they might have made a, mis, made a mistake in the calendar. They kept on doing this for six days until the, until the ninth of the night of Tuba'av, they saw they saw the night of Khamisha Subah, 15th of Av, they saw a full moon and they said, Hey, if there's a full moon, it's for sure already mid-month. So again, what do you see? The 15th of Av revealed that the decree was over already on Tishabah, but we didn't know it on Tishabah was only revealed. It has to do with the concept of, of the 15th of the month. 
because the fifteenth of the month is the, is 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 all about revelation. Because think about it, what happens on the fifteenth day of the month? You have a full moon. And what does it mean a full moon? Full moon doesn't mean that the moon is bigger. The moon is the moon changes. The same rock. The moon is a rock in the sky, and it uh, has no uh, fluctuation. Its revelation to us, depending on its reflection of the sunlight, is different. And the fifteenth, the full moon is revealed to us. So the whole idea of the of, of the fifteenth of of is revelation. Revelation of what? Revelation of the Jewish people. Our light. When a Jew is not being Jewish, or when a Jew is not learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, or fulfilling his or her mission in this world, they're just as Jewish. They're just as holy. They're just as godly. But that godliness is not visible to the outside. It's not even visible to themselves. It's hidden. It's concealed. And that means the moon is not shining. And the, the idea of the 15th of the month is that the Jewish shining, the Jewish people as a whole, and every individual Jew. Same is also with Mashiach, with the Davidic kingdom. The Malchus based David was never disrupted. The kingdom of David the Melech, of the kingship of, 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 of David, never never ceased. It, it, it's continuing. And as we, as the Pasuk says, already to Yaakov, if you know, there will never depart a, a ruler from the house of Yehuda. That means there's always a kingdom, a Melech mi based David that always exists amongst the Jewish people. A fascinating discussion on that is one of my real favorites, Farim Mashiach, in Yonah Shal Mashiach. Um, in that Sefer, he discusses this at great length, this amazing idea how there's the, 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 the I mean, the Shlach Kaddish says it, and others say it, but um, that the, 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 there's always a Melech Mibbeis David. It's just that sometimes it's not visible, the Jews don't know about it, and that's the Mashiach. Um, and, and but at the end of days, Yahweh Melech, as the Rambam says, the king will appear. That's, that's Gilui Halavana, revelation of the And that's why Tezvav Ba'av is such a crucial yomtiv for us today, because as I mentioned many times, the power of Mashiach and Mashiach Tzadkenu, in essence, is already was already revealed also, but not in a revelation that everybody recognizes. It's a more concealed and obscure revelation. And the, the revelation that we're waiting for is a revelation for everybody to realize that he's a full, full manifest revelation. And that revelation is something that is related to Tezvav Ba'av. It's a very powerful day. Um, what I'd like to do today is get into the mystical ideas of this Yomtev. What's the significance of the 15th of, of Dafka? So in... in, 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 in um, Creates Chaim, as I mentioned earlier, it mentions that the Mila of the day is that it's the fifteenth. But on that, the question is that we that we've asked it on in classes in the past as well. I mean, the fifteenth of the month is not the Dafkin of the fifteenth of month is a is a reoccurrence that happens twelve times in the year, and sometimes thirteen if we have a leap year. So, what is the significance Dafka of the fifteenth Dafka the fifteenth of of? So, being that the Shlemus of the Levana. The milyalovana, the filling of the moon, is because the moon has a chisarim, the moon has a lacking, the moon has a pigimas alovana. It's called pigimas, the blemish of the moon. It means that the moon's light is inconsistent, that there is a waxing and a waning of the moon, and the whole waxing of the moon, till it's in its full light, is related to the waning of the light of the moon, the fact that the moonlight disappears. So it is for that reason that the fullness of the moon and the and the greatness of it 
is dependent on its diminishment. The greater the moon's diminishment, the greater is its light. So physically, <coughs> we don't see in the moon that in the summer, the month of August, uh, during this time, during the month of Av, that we should see a brighter light on the 15th day of Av than any other night, than any other 15th of a month. We don't see it physically. But spiritually, the moon, the light of the Shekhinah, the light of Malchus, the light of the Jewish people, the light of Malchus based David, is much, much brighter on the 15th of Av than it is in any other uh, of the 15th. And that is because since in the month of Av there is the destruction of the Beis Amidash, which and the beginning of the Golas of the Jewish people, that means Nafla Teres Rishenu, the crown of the Jewish people, the crown jewel of the Beis Amidash, and the, the shattering of Malchus Beis David, and the Jewish people's power in the world has been shattered and broken and diminished and shamed and, and desecrated and so on and so forth, all related to the fall which happens in the, the beginning of the month of Av, in the nine days, starts already in Tammuz, but continues in the month of Av. It's for that reason that the comeback that happens in the month of Av is a greater comeback than, than, in, um, than in any other month. And that's why the Yomtev of the 15th of Av is greater than the 15th of every other month. The 15th always represents a special. That's why we have Yom and Taivim that happened on the 15th. Um, the, 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 the two out of the Shalish Regalim take place on the 15th of the month, the 15th of Sukkot. Sukkot is the 15th of Tishrei, the seventh month. Nisan is the 15th of, of, of uh, or Pesach is the 15th of Nisan, which is the first month. And we wait after for the 15th, because the 15th represents Shlemus of the Jewish people. Time on the moon is the closest to the sun, which represents the Jewish people the closest to God. And God's light is visibly being reflected from Hashem to us and from us to the world. That is um, every time. And also Purim. Even though Purim, the Yom Tiv, is now Shavuos is different. Shavuos happens, but Shavuos is not dependent on the day of the month. Shavuos is a it's like Shavuos is almost like the second days of Pesach. Pesach is the beginning. Shavuos is the conclusion. So Shavuos we don't count. But the other big Yom and Taivin, Pesach and Sukkot, is the fifteenth. And Purim as well, which Purim is the 14th, not the 15th. But we know that the, in Purim itself, there's two days for Purim. The two days for Purim are um, the 14th and the 15th, because cities, unwalled cities, make it on the 14th. But walled cities, similar to Shushan, make it on the 15th. Why on the 15th? And we know that the Purim of the 15th, like Yerushalayim, is a Shushan, what we call Shushan Purim, is really a greater Purim, that means the godly light of the day, the revelation, the power of the day is greater when it's on the 15th than when it's on the 14th. It's only that in places that are not walled and so on and so forth, they can't accomplish that great revelation. So we do it on the 14th. And why on the 15th? Because it's the 15th, 15th is Shleim HaSalavana. And that's, by the way, the reason why it's connected who celebrates Purim on the 15th of the month? It's only um, cities that were walled from the days of Yehoshua bin Nun. And what's the relationship? Yehoshua bin Nun is way before the story of Purim. It should be the cities that were walled in the days of Mordechai and Esther, in the days of, Shu, uh, the days of Shushan, 
Why do we count it? The, so the Gemara says because we want to give honor to uh, to uh, to Eretz Yisrael, and the, the 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 there were many cities that in Eretz Yisrael that were destroyed and their walls were not there. So we don't count based on the walls of the days of Shusha. We count from Yeshua Benun. Okay, but then why Dafki Yeshua Benun? Because that's when we begin Eretz Yisrael to be in Jewish hands. There must be a deeper reason. And the answer is, since the 15, the Milo of the 15, is that the 15 is Shlema Salavana, that there is a completion in the moon. And we know that Yeshua Benun, Pnei Yeshua, Kepnei Lovana. Yeshua represents the moon. Just like King David represents the moon, the Malchus based of it, Yeshua Benun is, is his power, is the power, his Indian, the Gemara says, the face of, the Gemara does a comparison between Yeshua and Moshe Rabbein. And the Gemara says like this, Moshe Rabbeinu's face was like the face of the sun, and Yeshua Benun's face is the face like the moon. But here you see Yeshua is connected to Malchus and to the moon. And that's why we dafka go in the Mila of the 15th, we, 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 we make it in accordance to Yeshua, because Yeshua is the Lovana. Um, okay, so that's the Mila again, the 15th of whenever, that the that there's many Yom Tidim on the 15th, but the greatest of them, there's none other, even though we have other Yom Tidim which are on the 15th, but the greatest, greatest one is Dafka, the 15th of Av. Why? Because since it's related to the fulfillment of the moon, which comes after the disappearance of the moon, the greater the fall, the greater the light. The greater is the building, the greater is the growth. Now, um, what is the significance? Now, to take this a step deeper, the concept of the 15. What is the inner idea of the Shlemus Halavana? That the moon is in a state of, of Shlemus. And why does the Shlemus Halavana of the 15th connect to, as we said before, the future? It's a future. It's, it's resembling the ultimate tikkun on the destruction of the Beis Amigdash, which is only going to happen in the third Beis Amigdash. How is that connected to the idea of number 15? So, I mean, so just, just on a simple level, the Shlemus Olavana represents the moon receiving, the, the sun and the moon are a couple. And the sun is the hut, is the man, and the moon is the woman. And in our relationship with God, Hashem is the, moon, is the sun, and we're the moon. A full moon means that we are receiving our full light. Hashem's light is fully being absorbed upon us. That Yichud, is going to reach its perfected state only when Mashiach comes. Because we know that um, when we went to Har Sinai, um, it was considered a marriage. God and the Jewish people got married at Sinai. We learned out all the laws of chuppah and marriage, a lot of them from Har Sinai. Um, but it says that in, by Har Sinai, it was only the betrothal. It was only what's called the first stage of marriage, called erusin. Erusin is when the husband gives the wife, the groom gives the, the, the bride a ring, 
and he's Makadashir, means he says, that you are hereby betrothed to me. Halachically, they become full-fledged husband and wife, but they're still forbidden to live together. Um, and then later, they, they come to the second stage, they go under the chuppah and they make Shavu Brachas. They say the seven blessings under the chuppah. In times of past, it used to be done in two separate ceremonies with a significant amount of time in between. Later, the sages changed that and they said that we should make everything together. We shouldn't divide it. But it was initially, that's what used to be done. So in our relationship with Hashem, it says that our, up till now, we've only, we're still in the betrothed state. We have not yet consummated our marriage. We haven't yet completed it. The completion of this yichud, of this union, is only going to be when Mashiach comes. So that's when the moon is receiving the full light of the sun, 15th of the month. But it has to be deeper than that. Because the Pasuk says, When the moon is receiving the full light of the sun, it's still not as bright as the sun. It's less than the sun. It's receiving the light of the sun, but it's still less than the sun. But there is a Nevoah that says that when Mashiach will come, the moon is going to ascend and it's going to be as bright as the sun. Even though there it says the Eiracham is going to be even brighter, but the moon is going to be uplifted to the brightness of the sun. Where is that hinted to? And where do we see that um, in, in, in the 15th of the month? How is that reflected in number 15 and in the 15th of Av? So the idea is like this. We know that Kabbalistically, the Yudke Vavke, the Tetragrammaton, is a Yud and a He and a Vav and a He. Okay, so the four letters, Yudke Vavke. The Yudke, now, what's this, why the four letters? What does this mean? So we know it's, it represents the entire configuration of all the spherot, of all the attributes. There are ten attributes, Esser spheros. The Yud and the He represent Chachma uh, and Bina, which are the first two of the of the attributes, and the Vav and the He represent six emotions. The Vav is the six emotions, Chesed, Gevurah, Tferes, Netzach, Hod, Yesod, and the latter He is 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 uh, indicative of Malchus, or symbolizes Malchus, um, the 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 Shechina, the final sphere. Um, now, the way this, this operates is that the Yud and the Vav are both masculine spheres. They're both mashpiyah, influencers. The two Hays of Hashem's name, there's two Hays, are both recipients. Nukva, feminine. There is a higher Hay, which is Bina, and there's a lower Hay, which is Malchus. Sometimes it's referred to Ke'ima, Kebita, like mother, like daughter. This is mother and daughter, because Chachna Bina called father and mother, and the the, the 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 lower two are called son and daughter, which are also a couple. Za and Malchus. So um, the upper union, the higher union, is called Yudke. is re- represented in the Yichud, in the unity of the Yud and the He, as the two of them converge together, there is a unity, and that's Yudke. The lower unity is considered Vavke. The lower unity is 
hinted to in the Vav and the He, when the Vav and the He are together. So there's Yud K and there's Vav K. But we know there's a difference between these, and if we understand a little bit more the deeper meaning of this, when you have Yud K, Vav K, means there's a perfect uninterrupted flow of godly light into the world. The worlds are all derivatives and and um, the, the consequence or, or, or dependent on Malchus. Malchus is the power of God that's within creation. It's the final of the ten attributes. It represents Hashem already completing a series of stages of adjustments to acclimate and to uh, um, 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 adjust his otherwise infinite energy to be able to be tolerated to, for the world to be able to tolerate it. So it has to go through all the filters and the screens until it can until Malchus, and from Malchus it can enter into the spiritual universe and then finally into the physical world. So all hashba again is dependent on everything on first being received in Malchus and Mal all hashba Shpami's influence. It has to first be received in Malchus, and from Malchus is the mother of creation goes into the world. But in order for it to go to Malchus. It comes from the husband of Malchus called the six spheres, sometimes referred to as a Kodesh Baruch Hu. That is Mashpia, the energy into the Shekhinah. Shekhinah is the source of the creation. That's the Vav and the He. Higher than that is the Yud and the He. Chachma and Bina. Chachma and Bina is a level of divine transmission, of godly, of godly presentation, so to speak, but on an infinitely way, way above the Vav and the He. It's still higher and beyond and not yet ready for it to descend for it to be transmitted into the creation that is uh, the youth king the idea so a perfect when things are the way they should be it flows from the from the ain sof which is not hinted to in any letter because hashem himself can't be the ain sof the un is unsymbolizable because there's nothing that we can say that characterizes him. Chachma is already a characteristic. It's already a specific. On the Ebersh there, on Hashem himself, there's no specifics. So that's still beyond. And then from, from him, from the Oren Saif, it flows into the first Mashpia, which is Chachma. And Chachma transmits it to Bina. That's the Yod giving it to the He. And then from the He, it comes down to the Vav. And the Vav is then Mashpia, the latter hey. These are the two couples, Yud K Vav K. Now there's a big there's a big difference between the the flow from the Yud to the He and the flow from the Vav to the He. The difference between them is as follows. The Yud to the He is never interrupted. The Yud and the He always are connected to each other. They're called Trein Reyin, the Loy Misparshin. They're two friends that never separate. So there's never Chas Shalom a disconnect between the Yud and the He, if there would be a disconnect, poof, there would be no existence, no creation at all. So these two, it's like an, a plug that's always plugged in. It's never, ever, it never blows a fuse. It's never disconnected. The power is always being transmitted. However, the Vav to the He is not always connected. Their Zivug is Leprakim. Sometimes they're unified, sometimes they're not. And even when they're not, there's still a flow coming down to the creation, even though there's no Yichot. How that works? is a good question but obviously the life force in the world and so on and so forth is severely diminished and especially godly revelation 
when there is no yichud. In general, the time of Golos is a time that the Zayar calls Itzah Hisrachkes Mebaila, that of the, the, the woman, the Shechina, became distant from her husband. There's no yichud. That means that's the idea Shechinta Begolos, so the Shechina goes to Golos. That is the that's where that's the that's the problem in Golas, is that there is a disconnect between the Vav and the He. That's what we know when we have to do Chuva. The Zohar says that Chuva, the Pirush of Chuva is Tosh of He. Bring the bride back to the groom. Bring the, the wife back to her husband. Bring the Jewish people back to Eretz Yisrael. Can reconnect that Yichut, that it should flow Yud K, Vav K, That is one difference. It's very important over here to pay attention. The, the two differences I'm going to explain, two differences that there is between the Yudke and the Vavke. One difference is that the Yudke is constant and the Vavke is not necessarily constant. The second difference between the Yudke and the Vavke is that the Yudke, there cannot be, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, uh, what are they called, a closed circuit. And therefore there can't be any leaking. From a closed circuit communication, there can't be any leakage. It's very private, and therefore there's no yenika sachitzanim. The extraneous forces, the bad guys, forces of darkness and evil cannot, cannot hack. It's not hackable. It's a, um, sometimes you call it on a, uh, a protected server. So, so it's, a, it's a locked server. It's like a Wi-Fi that has a lock, you know, closed. You can't get, you can't access it. Um, that's Bina, and that's why Bina is a protected zone. No one can be the Chitzonim, can't, 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 can't hack that place. Um, the Vavke is hackable. And uh, that's why Golos means two things. They're both related to this idea. Golos means number one. Those who are supposed to be receiving the flow are not receiving. The pipelines are drying up. The Vav is not giving to the hay. There is a disconnect. There's a lack of communication. There's a lack of divine flow into that which is holy. That's problem number one. Problem number two is that the little bit that is flowing is sometimes polluted. That means the, the, the powers of klipa, powers of, of the unholy, are able to usurp that energy and take it for negativity. And they become very strong. That's the, what happens in Golas. The powers of evil, powers, the powers of darkness are, are strengthened, are empowered. And they then abuse that which is holy. They abuse the Jewish people. They abuse the Shekhinah. They abuse everything godly in this world and use this divine power for something bad. That's the idea of exile. So, and, and one is connected to the other. The reason why the, the Vav is not giving to the hay is because when it sees that the hay is hacked and whatever it's going to give the hay is going to be, is going to be um, stolen to the wrong people, it doesn't want to make a deposit, it doesn't want to give because it knows it's going to be robbed. So these are things that all work together. But that's the idea. And the Vav K is susceptible to a hack, to a, to a spiritual hack. In the Yud K, that's not going to happen. But here is the Chiddush of the days of Mashiach. When Mashiach is going to come, it says that 
on that day, on that day, possibly keep it, we, we say it in the end of Aleinu, right? The song, what's the emphasis of Yiyah? Yiyah says that when Mashiach will come, the problem will be fixed. And it will be fixed so well that it can never, ever be broken again. What's going to happen? The name of God is going to be Yiyah. Instead of Yud-K, Vav-K, it's going to be Yud-K, Yud-K. Twice Yud-K. Hmm. What does that mean? That the Malchus and the and the Zeiranpin and Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the Shechina and Hakadosh Baruch Hu, their union is going to be on the same level as the union of Chachma and Bina. And when and when the Vavke, when the when when Zeiranpin and Malchus are their their union is going to be as as great as the as the Yichud of Chachma and Bina, you're going to gain both benefits. Benefit number one is that the unity is going to be constant. And that's why the consequential third temple, the Beis Amigdash, is going to be a permanent Beis Amigdash. It's going to be unbreakable. It's going to last forever. Why? Because there's never a separation. So therefore, the, 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 the Hashem and the Jewish people are always together. The Shekhinah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu are always unified. The flow of divinity in a revealed, open, conspicuous way is going to be consistent and continuous, never ever to be disconnected, number one. Number two, in, in, the, in the Yudke, there's no unique asachitzana. The There's no hacking. So the koiches of Klippa are going to lose all their power. That's why we know the Yitzhahara is going to die when Mashiach comes, no more Yitzhahara, Satan is going to suffocate, uh, no more Vesurach Atuma Avim and Aretz, the spirit of impurity, because the whole power of klipa is it robs, it, it takes it, it takes from Kedusha. But once Kedusha is not leaking anymore, the leak is going to be closed. So there's no more um, power going out of the circuit, going out of where, out of the pipes, out of where it's supposed to be. It's going to be a, completely protected. Because it's going to be by Yaimahu Yiyah. Yudke Yavke. That's the secret of the 15th of the month. The idea of the 15th of the month. Month, we said earlier, related to the moon, moon is Malchus. So it's the lower hay. Now, usually the lower hay, its connection to the, is to the Vav in a manner which is called Vavke, which the Vavke is Gematria 11. But when Mashiach will come, the lower hay is going to have the same union with the Mashpia like the upper hay. The, the higher hay and the lower hay are going to be perfectly aligned the same union that there is in the higher hay, same level of attachment, is also going to be in the lower hay. That means the moon is going to be another. Why? Because the mashpia is going to be not like a vav. The mashpia is going to be like a yud. The difference between a vav and a yud is yud means very potent. Vav means already watered down. A yud and a vav is the same letter. A yud is just point, and the vav is 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 lower. When it lowers it down, it weakens. But when it's it's not diffused, when it's in its full potency like the Yud. So what that means, that the whole system is going to be elevated. That the Ze'er Anpen and Malchus are going to be in the same level as Chachma and Bina. And as a result of that, the union is going to be inseparable. And again, there's no unique Asachitza in it. And that's the meaning of the 15th of the month, is that we're emphasizing 15, which is the gematria of Yud-K. 15 is Yud and K. 
Hey is five and Yud is ten. So fifteen is Yud K. But we're in the moon. That the moon, which is Malchut, the lower He, is going to be on the level of fifteen, on the level of Yud K. And as a result of that, no more break. It's the concept that Yerushalayim Shalmata, the lower Jerusalem, is going to be on the same level like Yerushalayim Shalmaila, like the upper Jerusalem. The Beisamigdash, the, 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 the Lamata, what's the difference between the lower Beisamigdash and the higher Beisamigdash? The lower Beisamigdash is the lower He, and the Yerushalayim Shalmaila is the upper He. Now there's a difference between them. When Mashiach comes, they're going to be on the same level, the lower Beisamigdash. This is the meaning of Bayemahu Yiye, Yudke, Yudke. Now, um, what's the cause? So we, now we understand, uh, and, and this is Be'ikr, again, this is primarily emphasized in the 15th of Av, um, more than any other time. Why? Because just like, um, um, and it's related to what I said before, but just, just to, to add another knech, another point to it. Um, just like when a person does a blemish, the tikkun needs to be in the very same place where the blemish happened. The Gemara says, how do you do tshuva? The Gemara says the full, truest, furthest, complete tshuva is if the person finds himself in the exact same situation of where they fell, where they blemished, and in, the exact, in that very spot is where they do the tikkun and they fix the problem. That's when it's a complete tshuva. The Gemara says in the same place, let's say it was, it was a forbidden relationship, they're in the sit with the same person, they have the same opportunity, and they're in there, and, and yet uh, they, they refrain from sitting. That means that the mockim of the pagam, that's where, on the, on the words of the Altar of Tanya, he says that, uh, where he speaks about various different, different sins, he says, for instance, uh, certain sexual sins where the pagam is in the brain, um, the, way, the way the tikkun has to be through limudat Torah. Why does it have to be through limudat Torah? Because Torah, you're, you're learning Torah in your brain. And that's why you're fixing the pagam in the brain. Or he, and he says also, like, when you tear a rope, when a chedel, when a rope tears, you make a knot. Where do you make the knot? In the place of the tear, that's where you make a double knot. So that's the idea. In the place of the very blemish, that's where you emphasize the tikkun. So therefore, since the month of Av is the month of is the place of the blemish, that's the place of the of the of the destruction. So that's why in the months of Av is where we're meaning that's the place where there was a disconnect, and that's the place where the chitzaynim hacked. We'll soon see about the hack. Who's the hacker? But we see the chitzaynim hacked, and they hacked in the month of Av. And another thing happened, as we said before, a husband and wife separated. So therefore, the tikkun that happens through the yutke, which is emphasized in the 15th of the month, has to happen in the month of Av, and it's fixing both things. It's fixing both that the connection between us and God is going to be permanent. As it says regarding the third base, the ohel, this is the tent that's going to be, never going to be um, disassembled. Forever. It's always going to be the, the connection is going to be forever. And also that there's no more Yenikah Sachitzonim. The, the, the powers of evil are, are shut down. And both these things 
connect are in the month of of emphasis. Now, for a moment, let's digress over here. What's the who is the hacker, and why Dafka in the month of of? What I'm sharing with you today is a bunch of thoughts and ideas from the from the Tzemach Tzedek in Sefer Oyer HaTayra, Parshas Veschanon, Chelek Vav. So he has a whole um, arichos, and it's it, it, it just enormous, the amount of information that's there. In connecting so many different ideas, I'm probably just doing a drop of the bucket of, of what's discussed over there. So one of the inyanim that he talks about over there is that the month of Av, he says, one of the, the, the significance of Av, the meaning of the word Av, in addition to Father, um, the word of comes from the word bachar, or not comes from the word, but of is related to bachar. Where do we see that? The month of Nisan is called Chodesh HaAviv, the month of spring. The reason why, but it's called Aviv. What's Aviv? Aviv means the first ripening. Rashi says Bikurei It's the first. Bi- of comes in as the first of the ripening of the of the fruits of the produce. It's beginning to ripen. It's beginning to get to get finished. So av means and because it's the first, so it's related to bechor. What's first? So the the month of of is related to first the born. Now we know we trace our history back. There's been a big conflict regarding the firstborn rights um, between Yaakov and Esav. Um, Esau, Yaakov is the father, of course, of the Jewish people, and Esau is the father of Rome. Um, Yaakov is the heir, I'm sorry, Yaakov was born second. Esau was the Bechor. But we know that Yaakov later snatched the Bechor away from Esau. And if he snatched it, he bought it. Um, yes, he, 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 he uh, was an opportunist. And he took advantage of a weak moment when Esau was hungry and tired and he just needed a, a plate of lentil soup. But uh, that was part of Yaakov's uh, cunningness, that he was able to, to get it. But why would Yaakov take something that doesn't belong to him? If it really belongs to Esau, why did Yaakov cheat his brother? Good, he, he, he actually purchased it, but it's still it's a little dishonest to catch someone at such a weak moment and take advantage of them. It doesn't seem right, especially for a man of truth and an ethical person like Yaakov. Um, the answer is given is because in truth, Yaakov was, the, was really the Bechor. And the reason is because Yaakov was the first to be formed. Um, Rashi says that when you take a tube and you put two things into the tube, the one that goes in first, it's like an elevator. The one that goes in first in the elevator is going to be the last, the, the last one to exit, unless there's a door on the other side. If you're both coming out from the same door, one will win first, and then it's a person coming in afterwards, so they're going to, it's a full elevator, they're going to go out first, and then the one who went in first is going to come out. And that's with a tube. You put something, two things in, put two stones in a tube, two pebbles, the one that went in last is going to go, in, go out first. So the same is with the actual transmission. When Yitzchak was creating in the in the conception when Yaakov and Esau were conceived so Yaakov was conceived first and even though the twins but Yaakov the, the, the beginning begins with Yaakov but because he's first and being at the, at the womb is like a tube so 
there's first Yaakov e- entered, but the exiting, Esau went out first. So even though he's emerging first, that means on, on appearance, he seems to be the Bukhari, he's not the real, real deep. The one who's really originally first is really Yaakov. So Yaakov is really the Bukhari. But Esau is more presented as the Bukhari. Right. So what... So ya- because Yaakov was the Bukhar, that's what gave ya- Yaakov later rights also to the brachos, to all the blessings, including that he will rule over his brother Esau, which is the idea that the side of holiness, the side of Kedusha, will dominate over the side of the Klippa, of the unholy. But what does Yitzhak say then to Esau? That this is all conditioned as long as Yaakov is following the Torah. When Yaakov starts becoming uh, shaky in his observance, um, then Yaakov loses that, 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 that then Esau, you'll, you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll be powerful. The hands of Esau. In other words, what's going to be? You'll be able to reclaim your Bechorah. It's not stop, you'll be powerful, okay, just because he's not doing Torah, what gives you the rights? When he is not doing his mission, then, 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 then he's disconnecting from that initial intention where he was created first. First. God created him first because that was the ultimate intention in creation. But when he's not fulfilling that, then he's disconnecting from that. So then we're looking more about, in, in reality, what happened. Oh, Esau came out first. Esau was the Bukhar. So then Esau retakes the Bukhar. Esau retaking the Bukhar means that's why, and, and what does he do? That's why he can dominate over Yaakov and destroy Yaakov's temple and send the Jewish people into exile. So the Romans were descendants of Esau. When do they claim the Bukhar? In the month of Bukhar. The month of Av, which is the month of Bukhar, because Av means Bukhar. And for that reason, they were able to, 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 to Esau was able to gain dominance over Yaakov in the month of Av of, 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 of Davka. However, what does this mean? It doesn't just mean Esau over Yaakov or Rome over the Jewish people. It means the general forces of the chitzonim, of the external, of the darkness, um, gain mastery over the primias, over the inner light, over the godly and the holy in the world. That's the vulnerability that Hashem made himself vulnerable in creation. That he, even Hashem himself allows for himself to be, so to speak, abused by that which is unholy, which he himself creates, which is just a mystery beyond mysteries. But this is the way it is. Um, however, this dominance is only in the first nine days of the month of love. It's a nine-day dominance, and afterwards it, they lose power. That's why two Tishabab they can rule and break and destroy. Once Tishabab, and then we get to the tenth, over. The reason for that, so the Tzemach Tzedek says something interesting, I don't really fully grasp the, 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 uh, fully the idea, but there's something like this, he says. He says, in Klippa, in Kedusha, and holiness, the power is, is ten. Like we know that when God reveals himself, he reveals himself through ten spheres. Ten spheres are from Chachma to Malchus. These are the ten spheres. In Klippa, it's, it's eleven. As it says, um, um, it's, it's already discussed in Kabbalah many times that Klippa, they have the, the power. That's why we bring 11 different spices to weaken, to overpower the powers of the unholy. The, the, um, 
the, the, the Zohar speaks of 11 Kisrin de Mesavusa, 11 powers of Klipa. In Kedusha, it's, as we said earlier, it's 10, and the, the Zohar makes an interesting emphasis. 10 and not 9, 10 and not 11. By the way, you know, when 9-11 happened, it was an interesting thing that this whole eruption, a powerful force of evil in this world, demonstrated on 9-11. And the Zohar says holiness is 10, not 9, not 11. Doesn't mean that there's nothing that there's nothing holy that's nine, and doesn't mean that there's nothing holy that's 11. Quite the contrary, nine and 11 are very powerful levels in holiness because nine and 11 are the powers that actually, when you transform Kalipa into Kadusha, then you that's associated with the numbers nine and 11. But that's not holiness as holiness originates. The originality of holiness is 10, not nine, and not 11. Now, um, the, now, oh, let's understand, but what are the 11 powers of Kalipa? We said earlier, remember, we said there is Yudke and there is Vavke. Yudke is Gematria 15. Vavke is a weaker union, Vavke, the latter, the Vav and the He. And we said, remember, that the Vav and the He are hackable. And the, 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 the Vav and the He is an open circuit. It could be breached. It's not protected that well. And that's where, oh, now, remember what we said earlier, Kalipa doesn't have any own power. Kalipa's entire strength and its entire energy is only what it steals from holiness. So that comes out that the entire powers of Kalipa are breaking into the Vav cave. Vav cave is 11. That's what gives the Kalipa a, a power that's what is the source of power for the 11 crowns of unholiness. What do they do, the 11, power, 11 crowns of unholiness? They cause that Kedusha should be diminished. And what's Kedusha 10? How do they diminish Kedusha? They turn it into nine. And that's the idea of the nine days. That Kedusha is diminished to nine. Hey, what happened to 10? Oh, Malchus, which is the 10th, got separated. They caused Malchus to break away. They caused it. They pulled the Shekhinah into Gauls. It remains nine, nine spherot, nine spheres without the tenth. The tenth is 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 Malchus, and Malchus is dragged in into the Klippa. So what are you left with? Only nine. And that means the whole power of holiness is weakened, and that's why in those nine days, there is a power for the other side, for Klippa. What happens to Malchus, as we said before, she's driven away. She's driven into exile, like the Jewish people were driven into exile. This idea that Malchus is driven into exile is what we mention on Tisha B'Av. In the first word that we open up, the prayer, the unique experience of Tishavah, we all know, is with Eicha. What's the, what does Eicha mean? Eicha comes from two words. A koi. A is A and simply A koi means where is ko? Where is koi? Chav hei koi. A. From the word aye. Where is she? Where is koi? Koi is malchus. As 
it's explained in many places when it says Ko Amar Hashem, Zeh is a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Zeh is a, is a word indicative of a Kodesh Baruch. That's why it says Moshe Rabbeinu was Misnabe. When Moshe said Nevuah, his Nevuah was with Zeh. His, his Nevuah was higher than Malchus. Um, all the other Nevi'im were Misnabe Bekoi with Ko. Because Malchus is already just an, a, 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 a imitate, it's not, I don't want to say imitation, it's, it's already a translation of godliness as opposed to pure divinity on the higher level. But Salmeinu, Kid Musenu, the whole discussion on that, I'm not going to get right now into it. But Malchus is called Kai. When Malchus is connected, so there's a passage that says, Vamartem Koi Lachai. We sing it like Bohemian, we know, yeah, Martem Koi Lachai. But there's a pasuk we say in Vigitam Lachamot Shabbos, Vamartem Koi Lachai. Connecting Ko Lachai. Chai is Yesod, is, is the upper masculine sphere. When you connect Chai to Koi, that's the Yichud of the and Malchus. If there's a separation, that's I Koi. Where is Koi? And then also, there's a deeper meaning also. I is 11. What happened to Koi, to Malchus? She got pulled into the powers of 11, which is the powers of the unholy. They're trapping Malchus. This is hinted to in the, the first breach, the first problem of problems started with the sin of Adam Arishon in, in uh, Gan Eden. And the Pasuk over there says he banished as a consequence of the sin. He got, he, Hashem banished Adam Arishon. So the banishment of Adam is the beginning of the banishment of the Shekhinah. Later it's the driving the Jewish people out of Eretz Yisrael. It's just a continuation of Hashem banishing Adam from Gan Eden. By Yegorish S, the word S that Semach Tzedek says, I think he brings it from the Zohar, but I didn't check the Zohar up. But by Yegorish S, S he says is Tisha of, usually we say Tisha, but of. But it's actually the ninth of of. So S is Tisha of. The ninth of of, that's when it happened. Vayigoresh as a Adam. That Hashem drives Adam Arishon out. And what did God say to Adam? Ayeka, which is the same words as Echa. The Ayeka that Hashem said is, Hashem is lamenting Echa. Hashem says already Echa. On this disconnect that happens. Which again, the power of 11 Again, this is so. This is the source of Esav's eleven powers, where Esav has power in the month of of Dafka, as we said earlier, to cause this separation of 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 Aikoi, which, as we said earlier, from the Vavke, which is eleven, it's not a constant unity. There can be a separation, and there can be a Nikas of That's only on till the ninth of Av. But as we said earlier, since Yaakov is truly and really the Bechor, so Yaakov's comeback and the Tikkun is not in a different month. Because again, Esau's power is because he's claiming firstborn, firstborn rights. He's first. When Yaakov is not connecting to his source of sources, Esau can claim on the visible level that he's first because he appeared first on the stage. 
Therefore, he has a power to destroy Yaakov and to, to bring about the Golas and bring about this whole separation. Yaakov's comeback is in the very month of Av because Yaakov really is the Bechoyer. And the month of Av, as we said earlier, Av is Bechoyer, the power of firstborn. So Yaakov reclaims his firstborn in the month of Av on the 15th which the 15th replaces the 11 with number 15, the Vavke with a Yudke, and the Milo of Yudke is never separated. Never separated. The two of them will, can never, oil bal yitzam, the two are always joined together. There cannot be a breach in the separation. So it's a tikkun on that, and therefore we know that we want the, this geula, the geula that's related to the 15th of Av, is going to be a permanent geula it will never, ever, ever chas v'shalom be, be broken. And as we said before, on this level, there's no more yenika sachitzonim. There's no more um, deriving of energy for the klipa, for the unholy. This will also explain This is the explanation of the moon being as bright as the sun. Because the Vavke rises to the level of Yudke. It's the same light like the sun. That's why it says one of the one of the Ramazim, one of the uh, hints to in the Torah for the Churban Beis Amigdash with destruction and the Tishabav and so on and so forth is when Yaakov is struggling again with the Malach of Esau. Same story, Yaakov and Esau. So it says that he that the Malach hit him in the thigh. So we know that the body, the physical body, is a reflection of the spiritual spherot and attributes. The anatomy of the body is derived from the spiritual anatomy above. The right hand is chesed, the left hand is gevura, the center of the body is teferis, the torso. The right leg is netzach, the left leg is hod. When it says the malach hit eight Yaakov, it says he hit him on the left leg. It's in the Gemara, which say it's the it's the left leg, which was prim- primarily either he, I think he, I think he, according to one opinion, he damaged him on both legs or only on the left. Um, what's the left leg? The left leg is hot. That's why we know that if you take the word hot and you rearrange the letters, you get the word dove. In the Megillah of Echa, we say dove means an ache, a pain. It says, my hold, my glory was turned over to be destroyed. We say, on this my heart is aching. Dove is the word hoid. We also know the Zohar says that the main golas is the thousand years that correspond to hold. The six, the seven thousand years of the world each thousand years correspond to a different sphere. So the Beis Amikdash was destroyed and the beginning of the Golas happened, in the, the, the destruction of the Beis Amikdash happened 172 years before the end of the Netzach period. If 
before the end of the fourth millennium. It was very close to the beginning of the fifth millennium, which is the thousand years of Hod. But why is Hod? Because the Pasuk says, Kol dave, the entire day of aching. So that's a thousand years of suffering. Should have only been a thousand years. Now we're, we're creeping up on 2,000 years, but the, the main injury was in, in Hod. Now the five month, the months of the year, so Nisan is Chesed. That's why God reveals us Chesed. Iyar is Gevura. We find that in many ways in the month of Iyar is Midas Adin. That's when you had the students of Rabbi Akiva dying. And we, 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 we had the whole month of Iyar in the days of Sphira, which we know is um, associated with Dinim, with judgments. Sivan is Teferis. That's why we received the Torah, which is Teferis. Teferis is also MS, Torah's MS. Tammuz is Netzach, and Of is Hod. So the Malach of Asa, we said before, Asa has power over Yaakov, right? That's the whole destruction of the Beis Anidash. When does Asa exercise his power? In the month of Of, because that's where he gives him the injury. But what does it say immediately after the injury? Injury? The sun appeared to him. The sun reveals itself, and the sun healed Yaakov. It says, Yaakov came in peace to the city of Shechem. So Yaakov was completely healed from the injury. What is the meaning of Hashemesh? Is that even though Yaakov, who are cut on, Yaakov is the smaller one, Yaakov is compared to the moon, like the moon is the cut and the small, there's a is that the sun became, the moon became like the light of the sun. That's what the Tzemach says. The moon, this is the tikkun that happens already on Tezvav Ba'av, is already the full-fledged tikkun of the injury that happens. On this day will be Yudke Yudke. Okay. I'm going to stop now. Even though this is maybe a third of what I wanted to say tonight, a lot more. Maybe we'll do another another segment of this tomorrow night on Tuba of itself. I can't promise, but uh, I would like to. So uh, the main thing is that the 15th of Av already should be the full Tikkun of, of all, should be the Tikkun of all the Tikkunim. And everything should be already completed. Should there be the full, complete union between HaKadosh Baruch and Knesset Yisrael? All injury should be healed. We should experience the Vahoya Oir Halavana Ka Oir Achama Vayayma Hu Yeh in its full glory.